Today we're joined in chapel by author and former youth pastor Ed Denneke. There we go. How many people remember when I was here last time? Anybody? All right. Does anybody remember the name of my book? Oh my goodness. What happens at school when you're not there? All right. That was, that was a book that, it's a picture book. I've been working for many years on another book. In fact, actually, wait, I'm going to put my timer on because I know that we have, have to be done on time, right? No, no. I've been working on a chapter book. A picture book is 30 pages. About 16 of them are, are pictures, and then there's maybe 500, 600 words. I'm working on uh, chapter books. In fact, it's a series of books, and those books can be up to 50,000 words or more per book, so it's, it's a lot different. When I had the idea to write the book, I just had, thought it'd be a fun story to tell, but when I realized that if I was going to try to get it in a bookstore or on Amazon or anything like that, I had to uh, get it sold. Somebody have to, a, a publisher would have to be interested in it. It would have to be uh, purchased by somebody, and then they would have to do all the work that goes into getting it into a bookstore. And believe it or not, um, they don't just take anything. I have had um, many attempts to get published with my first book, and I was rejected many times. So when I went into this new venture of trying to write a, uh, a chapter book, I did some research. And that research has lasted for three years. I've been doing tons of research knowing that editors and publishers have certain expectations, and those expectations have to be met or your work never gets anywhere. Um, so anyway, um, a couple of things I've learned. Uh, with writing a chapter book, there has to be a good plot, obviously. There has to be something that starts in the, at the beginning and goes to the end, and it has to keep a reader's attention all the way through. There has to be interesting characters, and I've, I've learned a really interesting thing. I always thought the protagonist, the guy who's the hero of the story, was really the most important person in the story, but actually, it's the antagonist. If you don't have a strong antagonist, the story just flops. So you have to have somebody that's challenging your hero. And, uh, and then you have to have conflict. Without conflict, a story is boring, very boring. And if you think of any of the stories that you've liked, that you've read or watched in a movie, you know if the conflict's not there, you're disinterested. So I want to uh, ask a question to you guys. Do you realize that we are... Uh, characters in a story that God is writing. Each one of us in this room is, is a character in a story that God is writing. Um, I brought with me today um, a book. It's a blank book. If I open it up for you, the pages are empty. They're, they're just white pages with nothing in them, except my notes right now. But every page, every page in the book is empty. And um, that is kind of like how our story begins. There's a verse that I want to read for you. It's from the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 2 and, and, and verse 10. It says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So when, in the research that I was doing to learn about writing a book, I found out that a lot of the people who are authors, when they're writing their books, they actually discover the story. It's not like they only just create the story, they discover it. In fact, one of my, uh, uh, one of the authors that I use for a resource says that uh, sometimes the characters in the book argue with her. She wants them to do this, and they want to do that. 
and often the characters win, even though there's something in her mind. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, uh, uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas. It's about Charles Dickens and his, his attempt to write A Christmas Carol. Um, in that movie, it portrays how difficult it was for Dickens to figure out the character Scrooge. And, and actually, they portray in the movie Dick, uh, Scrooge appearing to Dickens and, and having conversations with him. And so um, we found out that, you know, when you think about how people write stories, it's not like I thought, that you just sit down at a typewriter and you just make everything happen. It doesn't. The story is, is bouncing around in your head and you're trying to figure things out. Now, when it comes to you and me in the story that God is writing, it's interesting. It says that we're, uh, we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But God doesn't make us marionettes. We're, we're not just puppets on the bottom of strings, and God's making us do things. He's actually giving us a chance to perform, to, to do things, to make decisions in the story that we're living now, in a story, I'm going to give you a really abbreviated um, version of, of the story. There has to be a hero. I told you that there has to be a, a hero. In, in the literature, they call him the protagonist. There has to be a problem. And usually, at the beginning of a story, and the kind of stories I write have happy endings, so a, a happy ending story starts with a problem. So the character, the hero's in his world, and he finds himself looking at something. And he says, this isn't right. And if you think of your life, every single person in this room is a different story. In fact, I, I often think of it like this. When we get to heaven, this might not be true, just my imagination, that when we get to heaven, there's going to be a Friday night cinema. And we're all going to go in there. And since we're there for eternity, I always picture that God has one Friday is your story, and one Friday is your story, and one Friday is your story. And we go and we, we watch. And we'll see that each one of us was put into us into on the world in the world for a very specific reason, and we're facing a very specific problem. So there's a hero, there's a problem, there's a plan. The person who the hero sees a problem and he says, "I got to do something about this," and so he has an idea that he's going to do something about it. But but a lot of times people have ideas like I don't know if you've ever seen commercials on TV about cats or dogs that are that are in a pound or or even worse than you see people in dilemmas around the world, and you think, I really would like to do something about that, but you don't. You, the, the show gets back on, you forget about it. Something usually happens in a story that, that authors write, and I believe in our lives. God does something that moves us to action. So something happens. It might be um, that you see the, something that in the world comes closer to you, and it and affects you more personally than something that you see on a commercial. But you get moved into action. Now, as soon as you're moved into action, guess what happens? Um, you know, things don't just go smooth. I always heard this, the phrase, if there's not friction, there's not traction. If you are out on ice and you're in a car, sometimes you can't get any friction. The car can't go. The tires just spin. So God allows... Um, friction to come into our lives. And in our lives, it comes into, um, into play usually through something that the devil is doing. Now, he doesn't show up and, and uh, have his red suit on and his horn sticking up with a pitchfork. It doesn't happen like that. I heard a joke one time that somebody was walking down the street and they saw Satan sitting on the curb and he was crying. And the person went up and said, 
Satan, why are you crying? He says, oh, he says, those Christians, they're always blaming me for everything, you know, because sometimes the problems are directly the devil doing something to us to stop us. Sometimes it's just situations that happen that we just have to figure out how to get traction with. But either way, if the, if the, in a story, there's always some opposition. If there was no opposition, there wouldn't be a story. So that's where that antagonist comes in. But then, so now you've got somebody that's standing in, in, in front of you and blocking you from doing what you want to do. Then the next thing is that there's conflict. Because, so let's say there's an antagonist, he doesn't want you to do something, and he gets in front of you. But the whole a story, an interesting story, is filled with conflict. There's one problem after another problem after another problem. And the, in, in, a, in a story, most stories are, bro are broken up into three parts. There's the beginning part where you say, this is the normal world that the, that the protagonist lives in. The second act is where the protagonist is getting buffeted by the opposition. He's getting pummeled. He's falling backwards. He's reacting to what the antagonist is doing to him. And then the third act, and it actually starts somewhere in the middle of the book and goes into the third act, but that's where the protagonist wakes up and he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. And if you watch in movies, sometimes you'll see they even portray it with a facial expression where the, the protagonist goes, he kind of shakes his head and goes, wait a minute, I don't have to be going backwards. I have to be going forwards. I, have to be, I, can, I can stand up against this opposition. But what happens often is that the protagonist starts to make forward progress. He starts to, to stand up against the, the antagonist. Do you think that the antagonist just lays down and plays dead? No. Sometimes he, the protagonist makes some progress. He might even uh, be effective against the antagonist, but then the antagonist you know, has a resurgence, comes back, and the battle gets engaged even worse. So often in a story, there's some conflict at the beginning, and it, instead of it getting less, it gets more. So how does this apply to us? If we are those people, if we're the characters in God's blank book, it's our story. And I'm going to be looking forward to seeing your story someday when I'm in heaven during that cinema night on a, on a Friday. What's it going to look like? There's basically, there's three different kinds of stories. I'm going to just talk about two. One is a positive story, ends with a happy ending. And that means usually that the protagonist starts out with a problem. And by the end of the story, he's got a solution, and he's, he's, things are basically happy. The other kind of a story is a negative arc. And in that case, the protagonist starts out no cares in the world, or he's happy, and things go downhill. And, um, and that's usually where somebody has allowed the devil or the antagonist to win. So we don't want that to happen. Um, I'm, I'm praying that in each of your lives that you realize that you are not just that marionette puppy on the, on the end of strings going through life and whatever happens, happens. You have control over what happens in a large part because God is the, the one who's empowering you. There's a, a, a verse that I just read this morning in my devotions out of Romans chapter 8, and the title in that little passage is that we're more than conquerors. If you believe, as I do, that God, His Holy Spirit, is in you, and His Holy Spirit is in your story, 
and he has the, uh, the idea, the, the plan, as it says here, for you to be a winner, to you, for you to be a conqueror, then you know that, that you, don't have to be, um, you don't have to be someone who looks at the world, looks at your problems, curls up in the fetal position and cries and says, I'm, you know, I'm a loser, this is, this is not going to work out good for me. In fact, if, and I think this is borne out in what the scripture teaches, if you face a big problem, a big problem, that just means that God's putting a big antagonist into your life, and that means that he trusts you to be more than a conqueror in that situation. I have a teacher friend. I worked in the school district for 26 years. I had a teacher friend who had a little six-year-old daughter who got cancer, and she battled that cancer. A little six-year-old, if you heard her talk, you would have thought she was an adult, the way she talked about her faith in God. The little six-year-old lived about a year, and then she died. And her mother went through depression like you can't, can't believe, like I can't even comprehend if I lost one of my children. But after a couple of years now, it's been a number of years, she just, she tried, she talked so much about her faith and so much about trying to, to believe God in this horrible situation. God began to remind her of what even her daughter, her six-year-old daughter told her. She said, the little daughter knew she was dying, told her mother, Mom, don't quit, don't give up, Keep, trust in God. And so just recently, this happened about, oh, I bet you it's been six years ago since the little girl died, the mother sent me a, an, a, an email and told me that she's going back to teaching, that she's not, you know, she's got back up on her feet, she's moving forward. That was a pretty big uh, conflict that she was facing, a pretty big antagonist. Um, I, know, I know many people that have had serious situations happen in their life. Mine in my life was a little bit different than cancer or a child dying. I worked at a school and there were some people that did some things to me. And because they did these things to me, I was a Christian, I, I worked, I was open about my faith. I don't know if that was the reason that some things happened to me, but they did. And I got demoted and, and moved away from, I used to run a building, I got demoted and moved to a building where I became underneath another guy that I used to be a peer to. But the day that that happened, the day that, that uh, the man, the supervisor over me came and told me they were doing that to me, I, I, I remember feeling that feeling of being knocked over. But I got out into my car to go home. And as I was in the driver's seat before I even got out of the parking lot, I believed that God spoke to me. Now, it wasn't like an audible voice where you hear the you know, thunder. I know it was God, and I'll t I could tell you a long story about how I know that it was. But all I heard were these words, what can man do to me? I didn't even understand that that was in the scriptures. I, didn't, I never remembered reading it, but it actually is in the scriptures. You can look it up. And it basically says, it doesn't matter what happens to you. What, if God is for me, what can man do to me? So that very day before I got out of the parking lot, I determined that I would not allow this horrible thing that had just happened to me to, to defeat me. And so I went forward, um, I actually went forward, and there's a lot of stories I could tell you. I'll tell you just one story that shows that it was God. That night, the same night that that happened to me, I came home, I told my wife what had happened to me, and she said, you know, this is terrible. We had plans to go out to eat with some friends. She goes, we shouldn't go out, we should stay home. I said, that would be the worst thing in the world for me to do, to stay home. 
So we went out to, to Chili's, to a restaurant. We were sitting across the table from our friends. They were Christians. We didn't tell them anything. I didn't say a word to them about what had happened to me that day. While we're sitting at the table, the wife of my friend looks across the table at me, and she goes, Ed, how's it going at work for you? And I went, well, it's funny you should ask, you know? And I told her an abbreviated story. I told her, this is what happened to me. And she goes, this morning, I was in prayer for you, and I began to cry. And she just went into prayer for me and, and interceded for me in that very moment. And don't you wonder if God was using her to give that word to me as I was in the parking lot, five minutes after that horrible thing happened to me, for God to say to me, what can man do to me? Well, I want to challenge you about a couple things. When you're writing the, when you're, this book that you're actually a part of, you're participating in your story. Remember, you're not a puppet. You're participating. You're going to decide if it ends happy or sad. You are involved in that story. And then there's a guy who uh, actually wrote the, the, the story behind the movie The Natural, if you remember. Anybody that ever looked that up, it's a story about a baseball player. Uh, Robert Redford was the actor in that story. But in, the guy who wrote the story wrote this line. He said, we have two lives, the life, the life we learn with and the life we live after that. And I'm asking you guys to think. You're young now. You might think, well, that my friend's daughter was six years old and she faced her, her battle. You might be facing one right now at your age. You might be being prepared for a battle to come. It might be something that I say this morning or that you heard in your own time with God or in the songs that we sang this morning. But somewhere you're hearing uh, God speak to you. Be ready for battle. You're the hero. There will be an antagonist. And, and now write your story. Say, Ed's going to be watching that in heaven someday, and you want it to be a great story. Well, I want to tell you something. Um, there's a song by uh, a guy named Matthew West, and the, the name of the song is Do Something. And this is my final challenge to you. I'm going to read not all the lyrics. There's some repetition in the lyrics, and there's some stuff that goes on towards the end of the song. But I'm going to read the, almost two-thirds of it to you. And listen carefully and be challenged. He says, I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble now. I thought, how did it ever get this bad? How did we ever get this far down? How's it ever going to turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The things, the thought just disgusted me. So I shook my fist at heaven. I said, God, why don't you do something? And he said, I did, yeah. I created you. If not us, then who, if not me and you? Right now, it's time for us to do something. Yeah. If not now, then when? Will we see an end to all this pain? Oh, it's not enough to do, some, to do nothing. It's time for us to do something. I'm tired of talking about how we are God's hands and feet, but it's easier to say than to be. Live like angels of apathy 
who tell ourselves, it's all right, somebody else will do something. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of life with no desire. I don't want to be a flame. I want to be a fire. I want to be the one who stands up and says, I'm going to do something. We are the salt of the earth. We are a city on a hill. We're, we're never going to change the world by standing still. Do you hear my challenge to you this morning? Be the protagonist that gets involved, that does something. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for every single person, every single person here in chapel this morning. I pray that every one of us would be uh, challenged to be actively involved in the story that you're writing about us. I pray, God, that um, whatever antagonist, whatever force comes against us, we would know that we're strengthened by you, that you go before us, that you fight alongside of us, that you lay out the path of life before us. All we've got to do is walk in it. And I pray, God, that not one person in chapel this morning will succumb to the things that will come against them, that every single person here will rise up and do something. We pray this in your name. Amen. You guys are dismissed.